if the CDC recommends that someone who's not vaccinated not be allowed to work around um, other employees in the workplace because they pose a direct threat of infection, then that will give employers a stronger position to insist on uh, on not allowing employees back into the workplace unless they're vaccinated. You don't want to take the vaccination, but your employer insists that you come back to the office. What risks is the employer taking having you back in? Will you be ostracized? Can you claim a disability? Do you have closely held religious beliefs that would give you an exemption? What if the employer wants to mandate? What kind of liabilities are they opening up? What if they try to administer the vaccination on site? What rights, what protections do you as a worker have? This is a very complicated subject, and for that reason, I have a senior HR professional, a man that I've gotten to know quite well over the past two years in my line of work as an executive recruiter. He heads up HR for a, a global company headquartered in North Carolina. He has his Master of Science in Industrial Relations from Loyola University, Chicago. He has over 20 years' experience within the manufacturing realm. At the height, he managed over 28 manufacturing plants with over 10,000 employees. I can think of no one better than to ask these tough questions than Dave Masters. Dave, welcome to the program. Good morning, Tony. Thank you for having me on this morning. Oh, you're welcome. This is a really interesting topic. You know, at the time of this recording... The vaccine is only available to healthcare professionals, frontline emergency workers, and the elderly, you know, more at risk age groups. But in the coming months, it will be available for all Americans. And I know employers are starting to ask these questions like number one, can they require or mandate employees get vaccinated? And two, how do we deal with the employees that refuse to be vaccinated? Really big, complex. So I know there's a lot here to unpack, Dave. So why don't we just dive right in? Okay. Well, Tony, uh, I see employers wanting to, at this point, after what we've dealt with this year, wanting to say, gee, we just get everybody vaccinated. We can all come back to work. We can get back to normal. Uh, That sounds good on the surface, but it does pose a lot of problems. So what are the, the big issues that the employer has to deal with here? Well, um, for starters, it's not real clear yet whether EEOC is going to allow uh, blanket uh, requirements for vaccination. They, uh, at this point, they haven't put out a lot of guidance. The only thing I can really find at this uh, right now is that they're recommending that employers follow CDC guidelines, and those change pretty frequently, as you know. There are going to be a number of employees who really won't be able to take the vaccine either. Uh, One thing that we're hearing right now is that employees that are, um, that are, have allergies probably should avoid taking the vaccines that are available today. Um, There are people that are going to have underlying health problems that uh, are going to kind of be counterindicated as far as using the vaccine. And there are a lot of people that uh, that have religious beliefs that prohibit them from uh, from taking vaccinations of any kind. 
And then I guess in general, from what I'm reading, over 40% of the population is not sure that they're going to take the vaccine for any reason. I've had conversations in the past week with people that say, I don't think I'm going to take that vaccine. I'd rather take my chances. So there are a lot of reasons why people are not going to want to be vaccinated. And so then as an employer, uh, you've got to make some decisions about, you know, what do you do now? Well, why don't we kind of walk through a scenario where the employer wants everyone to get vaccinated and let's say half the people decide to take the vaccination. They come back to the office and now you've got people who haven't, haven't taken it. So what's the kind of what, what should that employer do at, at that point? Well, if they're going to try to take the stand that the employee has to be vaccinated in order to return to work and the employee raises a question concerning, uh, concerning their health, and the vaccination, then the employer is going to be required to go into what uh, what the EEOC calls an interactive process to go through and determine whether the employee would be considered to be disabled, um, and if they their medical or health issue re- rises to the level of being a disability, then the employer is going to be required to look at reasonable accommodations that they can make to let the employee do their job. And if that employee has been working from home very successfully for the last 10 months, it's going to be very difficult to say, well, you have to come back to work or you can't do your job. They've been doing it from home for for months now. Uh, So I think from a legal standpoint, uh, the employer is going to be in a pretty tough spot if they try to insist that, uh, that someone come back to work and get vaccinated. So they could claim that they have a disability and that is that a gray area? It can be. And even if they are disabled there and you go through an interactive process to try to find a reasonable accommodation, there may still be a possibility that you can require the person to to physically be at work. And if they if you're requiring them to have the vaccine in order to do that and they refuse, you may be able to terminate them. But it's it's very difficult. Um, There are a lot of protections out there uh, for people with disabilities in general. And then there are protections uh, concerning the coronavirus that are uh, that have been put into place over the past year. So it's not a real simple yes and no answer. There's there's a lot of things to consider and a lot of issues that you have to look at. Yeah, that's what I see. You've got these two conflicting forces. You have the uh, Title Seven that came about through the civil rights, which, you know, protects employees from being discriminated against uh, for, you know, uh, religious and or other reasons, mm-hmm. and then you've got the the guidelines that the CDC and and other government agencies have passed that are kind of putting the coronavirus in a a different category. They call it a, a direct threat. Have you seen this? Yes. Let's let's take it away from uh, coronavirus for a minute and just talk about uh, that whole process uh, with any other kind of disability. Let's say. Um, Let's say I apply for a job and I'm confined to a wheelchair. Um, you can't just, if, if I'm otherwise qualified for the job, you can't just exclude me offhand because I'm in a wheelchair. You have to enter into what's uh, known as an interactive process where there's a discussion between the employer and the employee or the applicant, whatever the case may be, um, 
to determine whether there is an accommodation, a reasonable accommodation that the employer can make that would allow the person in the wheelchair to do this job. There are, there can, that can be, can come up with a lot of different solutions. Maybe, maybe the solution is that the job could be done from the employee's home. Maybe there, there is an opportunity for them to uh, modify the work uh, site in a way that lets the employee do a, do the job with the, from his wheelchair. Um, those kind of conversations go on in um, in business every day today over different kinds of disabilities. You'd have to enter into that same kind of a process concerning a disability connected with coronavirus. So that's that's one thing to look at. Now we talked a little bit about direct threat. That concept has also been around and is is in use every day in uh, the employment relationship. You see it more often in uh, in situations where worker safety, uh, you know, like OSHA type safety issues involved. Maybe a person is um, is colorblind and they want to be an electrician. Well, if you're colorblind uh, and you can't tell the different color wires that you're in a wire set that you're putting together, you probably pose a, a threat to yourself and to other people because you're not going to be able to tell the red wire from the green wire. So you can't be on the bomb squad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you can't uh, you can't do uh, certain kinds of electrical work if you don't if you're not able to discern t- colors. Uh, so, so that's a good example yeah. of something that you cannot accommodate. Exactly. Let's say uh, let's say my employee that was confined to a wheelchair wanted to do a job that required them to uh, to be able to stand and walk for eight hours a day. Well, on the surface, they can't do that job if they're confined to a wheelchair. Now, the next question is, is there some way that the employer can make a, a modification that would allow them to do the job without having to stand and walk? Um, and of course, that you, know, you can do anything, but the accommodation has to be reasonable. It has to be something that doesn't interfere with the, uh, with the job or the rest of the workplace. It has to, if you're especially if you're a small employer, it has to be something that's not completely out of out of bounds as far as cost is concerned. You have to go into that process and try to determine if there's a way uh, way you can reasonably accommodate something. I remember an example from um, a seminar that I went to on um, the Americans with Disabilities Act. The EEOC was using um, an attorney as an example. Now, what does an attorney do? Well, they interpret the law. So if you were faced with a person that was a was a lawyer but was blind and couldn't read the law, you might think that you might that you could exclude them as a candidate. Um, the EOC takes the position that, well, it would be a reasonable accommodation to hire another employee to read the law to them so they could interpret it. So you can see the kind of issues that come up when you start dealing with these things. I see. What about the, the direct threat that you said that has been around for a while? And I do see that this coronavirus has been labeled a direct threat. That seems to give the, the government and maybe employers a little more power, if you will, to maybe induce or encourage certain behavior. It does look like that could be the case, Tony. Um, a lot of that is going to depend 
unless EEOC starts changing their stance, a lot of that's going to depend on where the CDC comes out on with their recommendations. Because right now, the guidance that we're getting from EEOC is do what the CDC tells you to do. So if the CDC recommends that someone who's not vaccinated not be allowed to work around um, other employees in the workplace because they pose a direct threat of infection, then that will give employers a stronger position to insist on, uh, on not allowing employees back into the workplace unless they're vaccinated. But you still have the issue of, is there an accommodation, especially if we're talking about a, a disability-related reason for not taking the virus, um, you still have the requirement to look for a reasonable accommodation, which could very well be working from home, especially if the person's been doing that for many months already. One issue that we haven't touched on is um, religious beliefs. Um, there will be a number of employees who will not take the virus because of their their sincerely held religious beliefs uh, con- say that you don't do that. You don't put things like that into your body. And that is also an area that employees have to uh, have to look at whether they can accommodate a, a sincerely held religious belief that keeps them from doing something. So if I'm... Uh, you know, in a religion that uh, that says that you you can introduce foreign substances into your body, and I may very well refuse to take the coronavirus vaccine, and then if my employer is insisting on that in order for me to return to the workplace, then they're going to have to get into a conversation with me over how they can accommodate my religious belief. Again, things we do every day. You know, we have a number of employees uh, that will not work on, on a particular day of the week, whether it's Sunday or Saturday or another day, depending on their, on their religion. You know, they may apply for a job and the employer is, is required to look for opportunities to let them do the job without violating their religious beliefs. You know, that can be getting a, another person to work for you on that, on that, holiday or on that uh, that religious day or putting that employee on a shift that doesn't require working on that day. So that's another issue that uh, employers are going to deal with concerning the coronavirus vaccine. Yeah, this is really complicated because if you have employees that have taken the, uh, the vaccine and now they're in the office and they find out that maybe for some reason they discover that you have not taken the vaccine, and now they're fearful to be around that person. I know there are certain laws in place that you know you can't you know stigmatize someone who has a disability or for a religious belief. You're gonna, you're opening up another EEOC violation if there's not equal treatment or if people are feeling shunned. And I I could totally see that happening. Literally, someone cannot be wearing a mask. And people literally will look at you like you have a plague and they'll move away from you. I've seen this happen in grocery stores. Sure. I mean, this is going to happen in the workforce, guaranteed. If they find out you've not taken that. Yeah. And, and, you know, we deal with those kind of issues all the time. Um, Remember a situation uh, a few years ago where I had an employee whose doctor wanted them to be able to stand and sit at their, at their, uh, at their desk. And he, uh, he wrote a, letter to the company and requested that they have a, uh, 
one of the standing desks so that you can either stand or sit. It raises and lowers. So we accommodated that. We, we bought one of those desks and put it in place. And we had to, had to go through the process of all the other employees that thought, oh, gee, I'd like to have one of those too. Well, where did you fall on that issue? Did I mean, that seems, that seems like an easy one. Except they're about $400 a piece. And, you know, if you've got a whole office full of people that want one, you've just taken on a tremendous cost addition. And it really doesn't do anything for the workforce other than the person that has to have it. So, you know, we've taken the position that we'll do that if you uh, if your doctor orders it, but we're not going to make them available, you know, across the workforce. Good point. And I'm glad you I'm glad you clarified that and put it in the financial terms, because now I've also noticed they have exceptions called uh, high, highly valued employees. Are you familiar with this phrase? Um, yeah, I don't know how how much that's going to apply here. I think you're you're going to have to deal with the issues whether you've got somebody that is in a high level position or not. There doesn't make them any less of a threat to other employees because of their position if they if they choose not to be vaccinated. One other area that I that I do think we need to talk about for a couple of minutes is um, employer liability if they insist on on vaccine being given to all their employees, especially if they choose to use their own healthcare professionals, their plant nurses and that type of thing to administer the vaccine. You know, we've already seen a few cases uh, have been reported in the media where people have had allergic reactions to the vaccine. Uh, we'll see more of that, and some of those could be more severe than what we've seen up to now. So if somebody has a very severe reaction and and is their health is impaired because of a vaccine that we administered, that's going to open the door on, for sure, a workers' comp case, but could be, could be even uh, more extensive than that if, um, if the courts were to determine that we did something that uh, – by forcing them to take this vaccine and then giving it to them that we've, uh, that we've injured their health. Could you lower the liability if you, if it was required, but it was done by an outside professional? That helps. Um, but, and, and it really depends on the relationship that the employer has with the outside, um, service. Uh, so for instance, if we, if we just say to, uh, you're going to go down to CVS and get your vaccine administered and we'll pay for it. Okay, well, CVS is taking on the responsibility at that point. They'll go through all their own protocols and they'll, you know, they'll screen employees and they'll decide not to give vaccine to an employee if, uh, if there's some reason that's counterindicated. Um, so that takes the, the decision away from the employer. But if we're using, uh, if we say, for instance, hire a couple of nurses to come in, you know, on a contract basis and give and give shots, you know, we're still controlling them. So we we they won't be much different than if they were our regular employee that worked for us every day of the week. So there are a lot of again a lot of gradations and a lot of gray areas in how all these things will come together and how they impact employers. 
So this is what I don't understand, and maybe other people are thinking the same thing. Many of us sign waivers and we sign liability forms to wave away a certain right. Do you, I wonder if that would hold up if if an employee were to sign a waiver and say, "Look, I want the I want the shot, and I'm not going to hold you liable." Yeah, uh, it can, Tony. If the uh, employee is electing to take the vaccine voluntarily, we do that with flu shots all the time. Um, you know, I don't have to take a flu shot, but if I decide that I want to get a flu shot through my employer. Um, whoever administers that flu shot is going to go through uh, an explanation of the risk and, and rewards of the, uh, of getting a flu shot. And then they're going to ask you to sign a waiver that says that you agree that, uh, that you won't hold the employer responsible for that. But that's a voluntary situation. If we're telling employees that you have to have the shot, then their signing that waiver is not going to be considered to be voluntary and probably won't be enforceable. When we think about the risk and someone coming in and posing a risk to others, but to me, and this just seems like risk is inherent in everything we do. So you're working in a manufacturing plant and there's risk just being in the plant itself, around the equipment, around the machines. You're at risk for getting sick. And why is this being considered different? Because it seems to me being around someone being around a machine is just a different type of risk. Well, you know, start out with the concept, the whole concept of OSHA, Tony. Um, employers are required by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration to provide a workplace for their employees that is free from recognized risk of injury or, or death, illness. Um, so, if you're working around machines, those machines have to have guards on them. If they have to have areas that are you're not able to get into while the machine's operating. There are lots of things that you can do to a machine that makes it not not 100% foolproof, but much less likely to injure somebody, as, especially as long as they're following all the rules. Um, with a virus... There's really no no way to put a guard around a virus or to put a cage around it. Um, it's it travels through the air. Um, there's there are things I guess we could still require masks. We could still do things as far as um, the air turnover in a building, all those kind of things that would lessen the likelihood of the spread of a, an infectious disease. But I don't know that there's any way that you can really totally eliminated as long as people are are have the virus bring the virus into a workplace with them um they have the opportunity to spread that to other employees since the fda has technically not approved this vaccine it's being administered under like an executive decision i don't know the the phrase maybe you you know what i'm talking about here but from what I've read is you, no company should really mandate anything really until the FDA has approved this. Yeah. The, what the FDA has done so far with, um, with the Pfizer vaccine, and it looks like they're on the verge of doing with the Moderna vaccine, is issuing an, uh, an emergency use um, approval for it. Uh, it's not a fully approved 
vaccine, but it is approved for emergency use due to the uh, the serious nature of the pandemic and the need to begin to protect people uh, as much as we can. Um, at some point, they it probably will become a fully approved vaccine, but nobody quite knows when that might happen. That could be several months, um, if if not a year from now before that that vaccine is fully approved. And that makes the idea of mandating uh, vaccine uh, vaccinations for employees even more of a problem because you're dealing with a with something that's not a fully approved medication, which again opens more doors for liability standpoint if you if you're going to insist on everybody having a vaccination. I did notice one other topic incentivizing employees to voluntarily take the vaccine. Do you have any thoughts or opinions on that, offering incentives, uh, which, of course, they have to be, you know, in compliance with EEOC, but maybe is there a way to cajole or to influence? Sure, we do it all the time with flu vaccines and with other things. Um, uh, through our health care plans, uh, there are things that uh, – if an employee does, it can reduce their health care premiums. Um, there are, you know, a lot of a lot of those kind of programs around. For instance, uh, routinely we um, we have different rates of for insurance coverage for smoking employees versus not smoking employees. Been in place for years. Um, we, you know, so there are all kinds of things incentives you can offer either through the health care plan or in other ways to uh, encourage employees to take the vaccine. And I think in the long run, that is where most employers are going to have to come out on. Um, it sounds nice. I mean, you know, especially with what we've been through this year, it sounds nice to just be able to say, oh, my gosh, we've got a vaccine. We can just get everybody vaccinated and everything will get back to normal. Uh that, that sounds very appealing if you're an employer and you've been dealing with this stuff, you know, for months and months now. Um, you know, we've got, uh, like most workplaces, we've got over 40% of our office staff has been working from home since March. Uh, there are employees in our company that I haven't seen in 10 months now. Um, so it's, you know, it we'd like to be able to get people back into the workplace. Uh, it's and a lot of them would like to come back, but you know we've not made that choice available for most of our employees. Would there not be a a violation of not equal treatment for employees if you were to offer an incentive? And I have a religious exemption, and now suddenly this person gets their vaccination, their health care premiums go down. Hey, I want my premiums to go down. You're not treating me fairly. I've got a religious exemption. What happens there? <laughs> It's a good question, Tony. It's uh, that's why why uh, employment lawyers make such a good living. There are all kinds of those all kinds of those kind of issues that you can bring I'd, up. I'd be like the employee from hell. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't know that anybody's ever tested that. We do. You know, for instance, uh, we were talking a little bit ago about um, accommodations for religious beliefs. Um, if you look at it, you know, there are a lot of workplaces that pay a premium for um, overtime premium if somebody works on Sunday. Um, that's still going to be available to the employee that t- 
takes the um, the uh, person that has a religious belief that doesn't allow them to work on Sunday. If that person somebody takes their place and works, they're going to get paid that premium, and the person with the that's asked for the accommodation is not going to. So we have those kind of disparate treatments in place already in some cases. There is not a precedent in place for a lot of these issues. And if a employee or an employer decides to do a lot of research and really push an issue and they have the ability to pursue it legally, they may or may not like the outcome of the result because it's just never been tested before. So this really is uncharted. Yeah, we're this everything about this pandemic is really is really uncharted ground. We've not ever dealt with anything in in modern times anything like this. The only thing that was close happened back in the 1920s which you know was a whole different era in terms of uh, of employment law and and the kind of protections that we have in the workplace today just didn't exist then. That's right. That was 40 years prior to the civil rights. They could just fire you. Yep. So it there, we really are in uh, in an area that we've never been in before. But I think you've laid out enough enough areas to give anyone pause before they decide, because one decision is like opening up a decision tree that leads down to another rabbit hole. All of your employees, if there's nobody in your workforce that has a disability, and there's nobody that has religious beliefs that uh, that are counterindicated. Uh, as far as taking vaccines, um, you that might be something that you could consider doing. Unfortunately, there's no workplace in, in the United States that meets those criteria. There are people that have underlying health conditions and disabilities in every workforce, and many kind of times the employer doesn't know it and really is probably better off not knowing it. Um, you can't you can't be accused of discriminating against somebody for something you didn't know anything about, um, but that's not the way employees come to us. They come with with health problems, uh, hereditary conditions, um, religious beliefs, all kinds of different things that are that are going to impact how they how they would see being required to take this vaccination. Well, I think in the coming months we'll get more guidance, and as that guidance comes out, I'd love to have you back on to explain you know, how it's going to impact companies and employees. Well, thank you for having me on this morning, Tony. I've enjoyed this. Okay, until, until we meet again, talk to you soon, Dave. Thank you, Tony. <laughs>